Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is risen. In our gospel lesson this morning from John's gospel, we read of another one of these delightful post-resurrection appearances. It takes place on the evening of Resurrection Sunday, and the disciples and perhaps many others with them are hiding in a locked room for fear of the Jews. John tells us earlier in the day, he says in the same chapter, he tells the story about early in the day how Mary Magdalene had gone to the tomb and found it empty, and how she had run back to tell Peter and John, who upon hearing the report immediately took off for the tomb. John loves to tell us how he outran Peter. They got there and they saw the cloths lying there, the folded napkin. John says in his testimony that at that moment they believed. And yet they had not understood the scripture that he must first rise from the dead. We're told then that they went home, each to his own house. I always found that a little sad. They just went home to their own home. Apparently Mary Magdalene had, after she had told Peter and John, she followed them back to the tomb. And after they saw what they saw and went home, she stayed there. And she was weeping. That's when she had that encounter, which we heard about this week, with the two angels in the tomb, and then with Jesus himself, who she thought was the gardener, until he spoke her name and she cried out, Rabboni, and recognized him as her Lord. Jesus then told her to go tell the disciples about his resurrection, which she did, and apparently they all gathered together to hear the testimony in one place, She announces the resurrection, and the church refers to Mary Magdalene for this reason, the first one to announce the resurrection as the apostle to the apostles. This is where our story today picks up. This very day, these disciples have heard the news of the empty tomb from Peter and John. As I said, John says that at this point they believed They've heard Mary's encounter with the risen Lord, her first-hand encounter, and yet, strangely, they are hidden behind locked doors full of fear. They had first-hand eyewitness testimony, they had empirical evidence, and at some level, as John says, they even believed, and yet for all of this, they were still anxious and afraid. John, in this gospel story, is undoubtedly painting a picture of the church, And I'm afraid that the state of the disciples, as they are depicted in this story, is quite often a description of our Christian life, much of the time. Christ is risen, there's no doubt of that. As John said, they believed. Mary has seen and spoken to the risen Lord. They are together in this room with the disciples. This is the church, it's the formation of the community of God, the church of Christ. But the formation is problematic 
from the very start. There is the very conspicuous absence of one of the disciples. That's a problem. Thomas is not there. Thomas misses church. The community is imperfect without Thomas's presence. I suppose it would be more accurate to say that he missed, missed uh, Vespers. <laughs> Actually, he missed second Vespers. The second Vespers of Sunday. At any rate, Thomas's absence is not a trifle. Furthermore, despite their knowledge of the empty tomb and the resurrection, despite the fact that they are together as one body, despite that they are with the apostles, they're still afraid and anxious. They do not have the confidence in what the resurrection actually means for them. They believe it on some level, but their faith is weak. It's not transformative in the way that it should be. Their knowledge and their faith is underdeveloped. This so well describes much of our Christian life. We have seen, we have heard, we believe, we are here together with the apostles in his church, and yet so often we are still anxious and afraid, weak, without confidence, without peace, without the power to live the kind of life that Christ has promised, the kind of life we see the saints living. Sometimes this is very apparent when I'm hearing confessions. Sometimes someone comes to confession, they're deeply disturbed by their sin. They don't like it. They know it creates a barrier between them and God. They're even sometimes tormented by it. And they also know that God is loving and merciful, but they just can't seem to connect God's mercy to their repentance. They can't quite believe in his power to free them. It's very difficult for me to witness this. They can't quite believe in his power. All the elements of repentance seem to be there, but they can't like get out of the mud hole they're in. You know how that feels. We've all been there. You try and get up and you just slip and fall again. And I'm not talking about committing the same sin later on. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we slip in our faith in God's mercy to deliver us from a guilty conscience. We find it hard to find peace through a clean conscience, even in that moment as we are confessing our sin. We're just stuck. It's like we're obsessed with our sin and not the mercy and power of God. There's a disconnect between faith and knowledge of God and the resurrection and our own internal struggle. Confess our sin, but often don't feel any sense of freedom. It's as if it's still there, lingering. Somehow we give our sin more power than God's love, than God's desire and power to forgive us. We don't know how to go in peace knowing that we are forgiven. This happens sometimes. It's very sad. It's a very difficult situation. At this moment in our gospel story, Jesus appears in their midst and he says, peace to you. He then shows his hands and his side. And the disciples were glad 
when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, peace to you. He then breathes on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. Don't have time to go into it this morning, but this is called the Johannian Pentecost story because in John's Gospel, he doesn't tell about a few things. He packs them all into this story. The Great Commission as well. This is John's Great Commission story where Matthew has it later. We see in this story a development of the disciples' faith. Their faith in the resurrection was ultimately made transformative not by empirical evidence, but by Jesus' gift of peace and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus makes this very point when he later tells Thomas, blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believe, speaking of you and I. It's one thing to believe certain facts to be true. It's quite another to have a very deep and abiding faith in God. Peace to you, we all recognize the phrase. It's a standard liturgical formula in the church. It was also a Jewish greeting. But when Jesus pronounces his peace to them in this moment, it transcends any routine well-wishing. In this moment, it is transformative. Through these words, he delivers to them the full weight of the power of his resurrection and all that it means. Their faith in the resurrection began imperfectly, but it is perfected as they receive peace and the Holy Spirit. We might say that they receive this peace because their faith in the resurrection has been perfected. Either way, the peace they receive is directly tied to their faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. <coughs> Life without God or even a weak and underdeveloped Christian faith is marked by the absence of peace. We've all walked through times in our life where we do not have peace. It's a terrible place. There's anxiety, discontentment, weakness, instability. Above all, fear. Fear of the unknown. But most especially, whether we realize it or not, it is a fear of death. It is a fear of the possibility of slipping into the abyss of non-being, of losing ourselves. This fear drives us to the sin of self-preservation, self-centeredness, greed, covetousness, grasping, trying to save our life. When we do that, peace flees from us. But once one comes to the fullness of faith in the resurrection of Christ, the fear of death is abolished. Peace floods our soul and it replaces a narcissistic abyss of self-love. Peace comes to us and brings us calm in the interior, singleness of heart, contentment. We learn how to live in the present moment. Life is full of joy and beauty. We have confidence. We feel mercy for everyone around us. Life is simple. We are free of covetousness. We are content. We're not so self-focused. 
And we begin to feel a compassion for everyone. The angels asked Mary Magdalene, Why are you weeping? We talked about that this week a little bit at Mass one night. I can't remember what, I think it was Thursday night. Why are you weeping? Christ comes along a moment later and asks her the same question. Mary, why are you weeping? I love this question. (laughs) Since there were only a few of you here Thursday, I'll repeat what I said then. Why are you weeping? This is an Italian question. This kind of thing my father says to me all the time. Why am I weeping? She had just, she's in the midst, the throes of the most, the, the darkest, most devastating, despairing experience that a human being has ever gone through. Her Lord and her Savior has been brutally tortured, murdered, crucified, is dead. Everything is over. Everything is lost. Darkness has won. Satan has won. Life is over. There is nothing but hell and an abyss of darkness. And the angels cheekily there, sitting there on his slab where Jesus was laying, with a smile on their face, they ask her in this moment, Mary, why are you weeping? What are you crying about? What are you crying about? And then Jesus asks her the same question. I think it's important to notice. They ask in this way because they want to demonstrate for us. And John wants to teach us. We, have, we do not shed tears like the world sheds tears. We do not know loneliness and pain because there is no more death for us. There is no more death for those of us who believe in Jesus Christ risen from the dead. And if you find yourself in some place of despair or unhappiness, whether it's some serious tragedy or difficulty in life or whether it's just something small, like the fact that my son put my defrosted deer meat back in the freezer last night. <laughs> which I was going to have for lunch today, and it's probably ruined now. Christ is risen! Why are you weeping? I actually did have to tell myself this morning, why are you weeping? It's just a hunk of meat. In all seriousness, though, little things, we can get upset about little things. Somebody ate my cake. When you live in a house like mine, these things happen all the time. (laughs) Little things can upset us, and big things can upset us. And we can become despairing and mournful and down in the mouth. And here, the angels ask Mary, nothing's ever been as bad as what happened to Mary and the mother of God who's watched her own beloved son hanging there on that cross and they ask why are you weeping we have no cause to weep in this way to weep in the sense that we have lost everything we have not lost we have gained the world we are not afraid of death And we believe and we know in the power of the forgiveness of God 
knowing this, believing in this, because of the resurrection of Christ, we do not have to hold back from giving ourselves to God, from giving ourselves to others. We can freely give of ourselves because Christ is risen and there is no more death and we do not need to preserve our life. We actually need to lose our life, to give our life, and then we shall find it. He has poured out the Spirit. He has come into our midst and He has said, Peace be with you. Christ is risen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.